everybody welcome to a special bonus episode of the jump crouch game club today we will be talking about in depth spoiling completely the last of us part two for the sony playstation 4 and pro consoles so if you don't want to be spoiled on that game if you don't want narrative elements ruined don't listen to this until after you've played the game if you do jump in join us there will be a little bit of a discussion above of a quote from an article that will be linked in the show notes so check it out and uh without further ado how you guys doing good 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 yeah you ready well. to discuss you're well you look well i feel well um thank you good 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 let's let's talk you about look, the last you, you of look part great two. kevin thank you <laughs> yeah you, can we you do this great. every every you, you look, every book club Kevin, uh, you, you look amazing. Aaron, you look sleep deprived and just bad. Thanks. So, That's how I feel. Yeah. This so, is I uh, love this. This is a wonderful <laughs> This is a wonderful day. Nice. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so Kevin, you just finished playing The Last of Us Part Two. I did. Would, can you give me a, a numerical rating, like a nine point, you know, like a on on a ten point scale with a decimal place? I'm kidding. Uh, don't do that, please. Uh, okay. Because I was like, I'm not really good at that. I, I watch these YouTube reviewers who review films, and I'm not going to say who they are, but they they are actually rather established film critics, and they will spend 20 minutes talking about a movie, and then at the end of the of, the, of 20 minutes talking about the movie, they will give it like a number, and often their number just seems completely out of sync with what they just said. And it's like, I'm like, why do you guys do that? You're like completely like <laughs> everything you just said has been sort of like diminished by giving it this stupid number. I completely agree. So, That's how I felt about numbers in general. Like this game had great gameplay, yeah. great story and dance, but we're going to give it a six. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so <laughs> what? why not? What? <laughs> Fuck numbers. Yes. Uh, okay. Again, welcome to Jump Crouch Game Club bonus episode about The Last of Us Part 2. Spoilers ahead if you don't want them tune out um let's talk about it uh we all completed the game yeah and i think we're all optimistic overall we're all positive about the game but i think we feel like there was some uh pacing elements pacing you talked about pacing elements do you want to get into that well the whole game's all about uh well at least not the whole game i shouldn't say a big story beat of the game is ellie's revenge on abby it's kind of what what starts mm-hmm. off the story. She kills Joel, in a, you know, in a big moment, which we always think. Abby's revenge on Joel. You mean? What, what do you? What, what? No, no, no. Ellie getting re- revenge on Abby for killing Joel. Abby yes. kills Joel. Right, right. Ellie wants to get revenge on Abby for what she had done. Right. So a big a big uh-huh. beat of that is the conflict there that they inevitably end up having, which they meet on the third day of Seattle. And when that scene's about to happen, suddenly you have to play as Abby and then start play through mm-hmm. all three days again to wait. For what happens they basically give you like a cliffhanger halfway not even halfway one third maybe way through the game and i felt like when it when it does finally happen it wasn't satisfying because i mean not, not that that moment wasn't satisfying but it just felt like i felt like they were like they they, they let off into it so long and there was this big build-up to it that when it happened like it didn't even resolve the story <laughs> like it wasn't even the final act right. of the game so i'm like why no. did you right. wait this off so long like why didn't we just have it 
I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm not into cliffhangers, and it just seemed like a weird thing to do in the middle of a game to give me a cliffhanger and then make me wait for so long. I understand why they did it, and I think there was some cool stuff that, that really happened when you play as Abby. Like, I, I think that part of the game is definitely still, like, fun and, like, cool, but, like, I just was kind of like, what is that with this? <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think about that? Uh, well, it, it's interesting because I played through the game twice, and the first time I played the game... It was jarring for me, and I think the first three or four hours of Abby's campaign, I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that happened to me the first time I played the game. But the second time I played the game, maybe it's because I was expecting it, but I didn't have problems with the pacing as much because I knew it was coming. And I wonder if that has to do with just my overall expectations of Naughty Dog games as well. Because when I play... Uncharted 4, when I play Lost Legacy, when I play La- The First Last of Us, I'm expecting a 15-hour experience. Mm. So so when you get to that moment where you think this huge uh, emo- emotional climax is going to happen and it's a cliffhanger and then you have to play through this second campaign, it is, like, on the one hand, it is like, okay, this is a weird pacing issue. But on the other hand, it's like, I just don't expect this from a Naughty Dog game full stop. Um and to play it's almost like playing a game like near automata where you're like mm-hmm. this is like kind of yep. spoilery but i don't want to no, say no like no spoilers no spoilers no spoilers for near this is that's <laughs> but 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 like it does a similar thing i'm just okay. gonna say that where it's like you think right. the game's over but that yeah. but there's much more game than you thought mm, yes. initially and uh yeah it, it's i don't know the, that's kind of where i'm at the, the worst part is the return of the it. king thing right yeah totally it's like you keep thinking the game is over and you're like, oh, it's it's over. I've got to. Oh, it's not over. Oh, I'm sitting here on a tractor with a baby looking at a beautiful. It must yeah, be over. It's, be oh, it's, it's not over. There's no. another half or, you know, three hours before the game. Yep. Like, it, oh, OK, well, I, I got her down from the cross or, you know, the pole and it's probably over. Uh, what? I got to do this fucking fight. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I, I totally feel that. I totally feel that because because it has a lot of false endings and mm-hmm. it, it it is weird. Um, yeah, I don't, I, it's weird, it, but it is interesting though because despite all that, I still had this incredible experience with the game that I just mm-hmm. wasn't expecting. It. The all those experiences that that you're talking about, I think, are compelling. They're like the way that they executed all those things was interesting. It's just it's like the way mm-hmm. that they paced them out was strange. I felt yeah right. Right. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's weird though cuz I was playing the game and the first time I played the game I was kind of unsure where Neil Druckmann was taking me, where where just the the writing was taking me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up coming out on the other side with what I felt like was just this massive uh journey through the grieving process. Mm. where I'm just seeing these different characters handle grief in different ways mm-hmm. and they're kind of on different at different points in handling their grief and I had this amazing emotional catharsis by the time I hit the end credits so despite these like weird pacing issues where it's like the game has all these false endings I still was totally taken by it emotionally despite all that so it's a weird one it's yeah. weird I don't know yeah, I mean, I I got to the point in that game, particularly like we could we should just maybe jump right to the very end of the game, where where you're in that final battle with Abby, 
and you're like fucking her up and the game is making you do these like really vicious moves to her mm-hmm. where I really felt like what does this game want me to think right now? Like what what is what are the game designers trying to get me to think about through this scene? Because because clearly it's a scene that I don't want to participate in after no. having played Abby. I don't want to stab the shit out of her and cut her up and mutilate her the way you end up doing it. Yeah. And, and I don't particularly don't want to do it in like in, in painstaking detail with like button prompts and QTEs and shit. Um, and, and it was it was puzzling for me. And to some extent, I'm still not really sure what the point of that sequence is. Like, um, what felt, do you guys think about it that? It felt to me like a, a very just like a futile moment. Like, why are we doing mm-hmm. this? Like, why is this even happening? Yeah. Like, she finally like she like thought she was rescuing her. She was like, "What you? Why are you here?" And then she saved her. And then she's like, "No, I'm not gonna let you. Like, I have to do this. This has to happen mm-hmm. for me." Um, it seemed to me like my, my take on it was like when she finally shows Abby compassion in the very end of that fight, she like gets something out of it, which to me seemed stupid. It's unclear to me if that's what happens though. Do you guys did, was that your read on it? Um gosh again i had this weird personal personal connection to the game but to me that's the moment when the game goes from being a game about hatred to Mm -hmm. a game about forgiveness Mm. um and i loved that flip i loved i loved how the joel flashbacks slowly start to seep in and culminate at the end of the game because you have that flashback that was in the e3 showcase Mm -hmm. where um that man was calling out ellie for um for being a lesbian basically at Mm. that dance and Joel shows up at the last second and stands up for her. And that was the kind of the first moment I realized that they are going to kind of flip the tone a little bit on what this game's really about. And then at the very end, um, when she kind of snaps out of it, when she's strangling Abby and you just kind of get that brief look at Joel. And then you have that final cutscene with Joel. That's when the game really turns into, this kind of thing where, oh, Ellie was just beginning to forgive Joel for this horrible thing that he did in the first game. Mm-hmm. And that's the real tragedy. It's really her coming to terms with the fact that she wasn't able to fully forgive him before he was brutally murdered. And that's, to, to me, it's almost like she was kind of snapping out of that mental illness, that, mm-hmm. that grief. And that's kind of what that symbol symbolized for me. And that that's that's how I personally read it. But it it's interesting because that the way that is all painted, you just have it's really just the two of them in this negative space, right? It's just yeah. all kind of comes down to just okay, we are fighting this trauma. That's how, that's how I felt when I was like for me personally as mm-hmm. I was experiencing it, and. Um, to me, that was an amazing artistic choice. It's like we're just going to distill this whole thing down to just these two characters. And I don't know. It, it, it was interesting. It, it was super interesting. I could see I could see why some people would kind of read that a different way. But that's how mm-hmm. I felt personally playing the game, um, which, yeah. which is weird because I've been hearing all of these podcasts about the game. And it seems like there's always that one person who are like who's like, 
I'm not sure if I can talk about this game objectively because I had this emotional experience that I wasn't expecting. And I Mm -hmm. think you get that in every podcast you listen to. You have like, if there's like five critics talking together, there's that one person who's like, I'm not sure I can talk about this, like on the same level because I just had this amazing emotional experience. But it's it's, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. What did you think of the ending, Kevin? Of of this final battle? um, I felt like it was, it, it felt pointless like why are they why are we having this fight like what is the point of any mm-hmm. of this right. um and it my thought was like why can't ellie like see how just desperate the situation already is like abby has already right. suffered i mean can we agree that like the, the rattlers are just the worst people like they yeah, are yeah, the yeah. worst people in that game <laughs> slavers They're, when i first yeah. saw them I'm like are these slavers like oh god right. and they just revel and just torture i mean like it's all that game is all about that conflict between the wlf and the and the seraphites and how like both of them mm-hmm. are just horrible but then, like, you go to California, and the Rattlers are just way worse than anyone else that you've encountered in the game. Right. Um, but it just felt, the ending felt so, I don't know, I, I didn't feel, it felt like I just didn't get a lot from it. Like, I was kind of like, what, yeah. what, what is this trying to tell me? I felt the same way as you, I guess. And it's also so mm-hmm. violent and brutal, and I didn't really enjoy slicing up Abby so brutally with a knife, like, specifically. No, it's not. Um, Those were, like, particularly, I mean... I understand. I don't know. I think I get what they're trying to say is like that. Like revenge is just pointless and stupid. Like why are you wasting your time doing this? Like it's such a right. But I had got that like ten hours, you know. Right. 15, I agree. Twenty hours earlier um, in the game. I mean, I totally get that. Like I totally understand that. But um, but yeah, it's weird. It's it's just such a weird game because some people will just have this emotional connection to because mm-hmm. because I've. I'm just going to be open. I, I've dealt with mental illness in the past. I've mm-hmm. dealt with depression. I've dealt with grief. I've dealt with these things. And, and to, to play a game that feels like it directly charts that journey hmm. um, really hit me. But I can, I can, I, and I'm not saying that you guys haven't experienced that. I'm sure you guys have sure, experienced yeah, yeah. that. But, uh, but, but it is interesting how you'll play a game and, um, just when you play a game in the right place at the right time, how that game will just echo those feelings uh, is really interesting. Like the moment Ellie snaps out of it has reminded me of moments where I've snapped out of mental illness in the past. And like mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. resonated with me. And the flashback with Joel at the end, that just destroyed me. Like the mm-hmm. part when the part when uh, Ellie says, I don't know if I can forgive you, but I'd like to try Right, and you just see Joel's face crumble, and and he starts to cry, and he's like, "I'd like that." I mm. just like the waterworks, man. I was just like, mm. "This is just too much." But at the same time, I I totally understand. I mean, it's a it's hitting these themes with a blunt sledgehammer. It's not using a scalpel, a and I think lack of that has yeah. turned a lot of people off. So, yeah, I mean, my feeling about the game is like. I, I do like what it did with perspective and I obviously really like the game. Um, I did feel like at the end it was like, like I had this return of the Kings feeling where I'm like, Oh my God, I, I really just wanted the game to end. And I was kind of like, okay, just please just <laughs> fucking end. Yeah. And the final fight for me between Abby and Ellie was just like a really strong moment of, of I hate to use this word, but Ludo narrative dissonance where I'm just kind of like, Ugh, why? Like, what is Like, I just felt not, and, and I'm glad that it worked because it did. You're not the only person I've heard to have that response that it really did like mean something to them. Um, it, it was, it just felt frustrating to me. Um, I but, felt like it, it didn't give me a lot of clue. Like it felt like, like everything kind of made sense up to the point of where Ellie leaves again for Santa Barbara. 
Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, what? Why? 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 Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, right? Exactly. And and I think they want you to think that. Yeah. Like you're supposed to see that. Like yeah. her her trauma. Like she just can't cope with it in any other way. And so like she, the only way she knows how to deal with these just well of negative feelings is to go out. So I, I get why she did it, but I also like why. Please stop. Please, please stay here. But <laughs> at the same that. time, if she didn't go, Abby would have died on the things. Abby. And That's true. So. Something so it worked out. Good came so out of it. Now we can have a sequel. In a uh, way. So let's talk a little bit about what I think Neil Druckmann wants us to take from this ending sequence. This comes from a Washington Post article that's linked in the show notes, and in it, it's it's about The Last of Us Part Two, and they interview Neil Druckmann, who's the creative director of the game, or one of the creative directors of the game, and he describes a sequence that, or he describes an event that happened to him when he was in his early twenties, back in the year two thousand where he saw video of uh, a lynching of two Israeli soldiers on the West Bank by Palestinians. Neil Druckmann is, is Israeli, and he's from Israel. Uh, obviously, he lives in Santa Monica now, but that's that's where he grew up. And he says that, like, he had, like, like they were cheering afterwards, and in the cheering, like, really was really chilling to him. And in his mind, he thought, oh, man, if I could just push a button and kill all these people that committed this horrible act, I would make them feel the same pain they inflicted on these people. Right. He feels mm-hmm. this like just instinctual sense of like wanting to get revenge and hatred for people because he's having just a very, for lack of a better words, visceral reaction to, to, you know, the murder of some people that in his mind is entirely unjustified. And right. so he talks about this thing where he calls, he said, I landed on this emotional idea of can we, over the course of the game, make you feel this intense hate that is universal in the same way that unconditional love is universal? Uh, this hate that people feel has the same kind of universal uh, universality. You hate someone so much that you want them to suffer in a way that they've made someone you love suffer. Do you guys buy this concept of of hatred being sort of a universal emotion that everybody can understand to some extent? Uh, potentially. I, I think maybe. I I mean, it's hard, I don't know, it's hard for me to say, but probably if you look at like historical, like what's happened with people, there's been a lot of like dumb violence that's happened throughout history, like consistently. And especially sure, like but personally, kind of, I mean, can you personally like like? Oh yeah. Have you ever had a moment where someone you've heard about something that happened? Yeah. And you were like, man, fuck that person. I just yeah. wish they would die or something. It's like, especially like it's like your initial impulse before you really think about it, reflect totally. on it. Your first response is that definitely. Yeah. 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 What about yeah, you? Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting because I understand that on a personal level, and and I I do feel that sometimes. It is just kind of interesting hearing that quote from Neil Druckmann because I feel like he's almost not giving enough credit to his own game because I feel like everything surrounding that idea is more interesting than that idea, mm. if that makes sense. Like, for totally. me, for for me, for example, the, the whole idea of hate being this driving force isn't as interesting as seeing this kind of weird perspective shift and just mm-hmm. kind of seeing all of these characters being humanized but they all want to kill each other and you kind of mm-hmm. realize like maybe in an alternate universe Ellie and Abby would have been friends you right, know because they're very similar uh, so 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 it's kind of interesting when I hear that from Neil Druckmann I'm just like yeah that's interesting but I can name five or six or seven other ideas that the game presents that are more interesting than that so it is it's interesting when you hear artistic intent 
but then you have a different emotional experience totally. being received as the audience, if and, that and makes that's, sense. That's why, like, what the author intends in a work, you know, the death of the author, like, like what someone's trying to put out in a work isn't always as important as what people take from a work. Um, exactly, and, yeah. And, and I didn't feel, like, I didn't get that feeling from this game at all. Really? I didn't I, feel, like, I... Huh. I did I, I didn't either, actually, I did. which is I, interesting. At least my, my thought is, like, when, you, when you're when you playing as Ellie, like, you just want revenge on Abby just because you just, from mm. what you've seen as from, from Ellie's perspective, right? And then when you switch to Abby and you suddenly see all the people that you've been killing the entire game as people, mm. like, living their lives, like, literally all of the enemies of the game, there's, like, regular people walking around and having, like, dogs and normal human things, mm-hmm. right? Reminded me a tiny bit of Opposing Force from Half-Life when you, like, suddenly are playing as the people oh, yeah, you've been yeah. fighting. Um, but I think that idea of like, of like everyone's, everyone's people, right. And, and like, Mm -hmm. would you, would, would they have been friends? Like it's, you know, what else touches on this idea is Dark Souls hilariously (laughs) with its multiplayer because people, people people can help you or they can invade you and you don't know them beforehand either way. Right. Right. It's like, it's the same idea. It's like, is this, well, no, no, but did you get this idea of universal hate? Like, did you feel that sort of hatred even in a sort of, you know, no, like I didn't personally feel it in the way? game. No, I mean, right. not in the game because I don't, f- but I don't you understood it in a game empathetically, right? Like, like you're I saying underst- you got why I understand Abby's, or, excuse me, I understand Ellie's, um, like perspectives and like why she was like, I understand her, her motivation yeah. made sense to me for sure. Okay. I, I take it back. I did, I did get it a little bit, but so good argument there. I, I think you paint, you make it, yeah. A good case that you you can understand Ellie's motivation at least for the first few days of the game, right? Like by the time you're on day three, you're like, "What the fuck are you doing? You're gonna die here." Yeah, <laughs> um, but and, and then the thing that I think they did really well in that regard is like when like by the time she reaches Abby, it's like finally we can get revenge on Abby. But then when you've played through Abby's yeah. three days and you see what Abby's gone through, it's like, oh, you're like, oh, Abby, Abby's better. You're like, oh, Abby's a Abby better might person. be a better person. <laughs> probably is a better person <laughs> in this regard, yeah. and I don't necessarily yeah. know who I want to yeah. win now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say though, uh, what one thing to consider is that Abby's at a different point. Abby has achieved right. that revenge, right? right? So yep. she she's kind of realizing that 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 didn't give her any real fulfillment. So instead, she's finding fulfillment in helping Lev, and, right? Um, and in those characters, and finding her humanity. She's already that. brutally murdered someone with a golf club. So exactly. She mm-hmm. played golf. She played uh, what the golf or whatever. Yeah, what the Fun golf. Fun times. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin played what the golf uh, on, on GameSpot. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you guys are making some good points. Like I, I, I'm reevaluating my my feeling about this game. I guess ultimately, like the way I stand on it is that like some of its some of its big emotional moments didn't land as strongly with me maybe because of the pacing issues. And because I felt like if this game was, was about two thirds as long and it was a tighter, more concise story with less climaxes. Like I do think the game has a huge problem with just you, you, you climax after climax, you're climbing this tall building, you're about to fall. You're going through this <laughs> yeah, village and fair. it's like fire. It's like on fire and you fight this giant. Yeah. And then you still have like 10 hours left of the game. You're like, wait, that wasn't the end of the game. This giant right. battle, yeah. When they when they invade, yeah. when they invade the Seraphite Island, was by yeah, the way. Like, just a side note: the the WLF and Seraphite is supposed to be an analogy between Israel and Palestine. Is that 
I mean, to, loosely. I don't think you want yeah. to one-to-one map it, but no, it is but definitely like, inspired it just, by it. Just like stupid right. conflict that doesn't seem to resolve anything, and like people are just suffering. And also and the WLF and the, uh, the what were the name of the, the government? The Fedra? Because So that's yeah. one thing. We could talk about that. I really did enjoy the environmental storytelling of the game, and I felt that it was very uh, consonant with, with my gameplay, and, I, and it didn't ever feel like I was slowing down to like read these stories if like they're just long enough and paced at just the right moment that it was like after I had a big battle I'd read a couple of things and get some history about the place and then move on and it just kind of added color to the experience in a really good way mm-hmm. what did you guys think about that uh the archer story is incredible yeah everything about that story is fantastic uh I love that arc I love how uh, fully fleshed out it is it seems like that whole location like that particular level is designed to tell that story mm-hmm. which is amazing and it eventually culminates with you actually fighting the archer and then getting the bow from him uh, the zombie version at least mm-hmm. uh, that was amazing uh, another one that I really loved which I actually didn't pick up on a, on my first playthrough is there's this little side area that you explore as Ellie where you go into this conference room and you see like a bunch of uh, medicinal items written on the board and uh, you see like a sleeping bag you see like everything's like clearly a couple people are lit were living here and then you go further into the game and you find a dead guy with a bunch of um with with just like a bunch of uh, antibiotics and stuff mm. and you read the note and basically he was trying to bring those antibiotics back to his wife because mm-hmm. i think his wife was like giving birth or something mm. and they were clearly inhabiting that room and i just think that was so cool where and oh my god there's another one that i really love there there are like many of these stories that i really mm. love actually my favorite one oh my gosh i have to bring this one up because this is a spoiler cast so better than the archer bring it up uh, actually, I thought the archer was my favorite one, but my favorite one was uh, you kill this clicker who was who clearly used to be like a wolf or Fedra agent. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And you kill the clicker, and he drops a list, and it's a hit list of four deserters. Oh, that's my that's my favorite mm-hmm. one. The deserters. That's my fa- That's my favorite yeah, one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> and, yeah, that it. one's great because you 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 get the hit list and you have like the the descriptions of mm-hmm. each of the uh, deserters mm-hmm. like black latino 27 male etc and then you go into this apartment and you go to a workbench yep. <laughs> and oh, as yeah. you're like inspecting your gun you get ambushed by the four deserters uh, yeah they like yeah. grab uh, you uh, off the bench <laughs> while you're like customizing your gun yeah. That's a great that, a that, that actually that is my I love the Archer one by Take It Back. That was my favorite one. Yeah. That was a great, great side story. Anyway, Kevin, what what did you That think? was my favorite moment. And sp- particularly how it broke like it, it broke the game mechanic. Like you ex- you always expect that when you're in the bench you're safe. And then like they grab you out of it. Like it was totally an unexpected moment. Like it, it broke the trope mm-hmm. of its of the game had already established, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. That happens one other yeah. time when you're reading um you're reading like a like a steamy love letter from someone it's like talking to like their like their like lover and it's like it's turns out it's manny and like while you're reading it he'll like pull out of your hand and be like don't read that <laughs> do, you, do you remember that oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's when you're playing as abby in one uh, of the buildings it's uh it's so funny yeah <laughs> I, I i like that stuff I, I thought that that uh the environmental storytelling was very good um one of my favorite parts of it actually also was when you're abby in the uh it's like the when you're in the hospital on the first floor 
That mm-hmm. was the, the, you know what I mean? Like when you, like it's a first area that was infected with all the, like the emergency room, basically. The Resident Evil level? Yes, yeah, exactly. About like, that, that's yes. that's yeah. like the one part of the game that felt like it was actually like had some horror involved. Like I didn't really feel like the game was scary at all. Like in any part, yeah. except for that part, it had like some tension building. What about um, when the first time you get sure. whistled at by the Seraphites? That was kind of creepy, right? It was it was when they arrow. shoot you, but then you see them slowly yeah. patrolling, like in the middle of the yeah. open place, like True. so obviously, and it was like, oh, okay, this. Is, you know, the, I was if they were like total like predator or like Rambo kind of enemies, it would have right. been more like, scary. But they 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 there's the grass. They were so obvious when you actually fight them, mm. so they didn't really have that. Um, but another part that I thought was I expected, I was like, there's this part where you see this corpse like wrapped in a tarp. And I was like, "Ugh, this is like if this was Resident Evil, this carpet start this this corpse would start twitching all over the place like nightmarishly." But like, <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, this game is not gonna do that probably because it's not it's not." Mm-hmm. I don't think my thought. One thing I wanted to talk about was I don't think the game's survival horror tropes are really that strong. Like, I don't think that's what they were going for. It was much more about like no, the story. It's like H- human drama. Human drama, like 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 yeah. how The Walking Dead. Not that it's that quality, but like it's you know The Walking Dead is much more about the the survivor drama than like the zombie mm-hmm. stuffs that this game is kind of that same thing. I think it's much more about this. And like in that same regard, the human enemies are much more engaging opponents. I think than the zombies are. And I was thinking yeah, like Aaron, you said when I was playing it, I remember you were like, it'd be really cool if uh, Nidog just made us like, like a, like a stealth survival game. And I was thinking like, man, mm-hmm. imagine if they made like a game that took place like in like the sixties or something where you're like a spy, like with this mm-hmm. similar gameplay, like that could be so incredible. Oh, that'd be so much like, fun. I would totally buy so that. Good. I would buy that game like in a heartbeat. <clears throat> yeah. I kind of hope Naughty Dog tries something new after uh, this game. Cause I feel like the story has ended. So mm. that would be great if they did something different. I don't know. I'd love a spy sixties game. Yeah, that wouldn't would be that be amazing? Rad. I would think that I was thinking like this gameplay would be so good, like in a '60s spy kind of game. You yeah, know? that'd be great. <laughs> or just like a, I don't know. They really honed down the shooting and the, the the sneaking and all that feels really good. So hopefully, hopefully that stuff goes into their future. I also want to mention that Abby was very negatively received by everyone, and I was just thinking mm-hmm. about her character and like who she is. Like she's totally like an '80s action movie character, but a female instead. Like she's like a super mm-hmm. buff character out for revenge. Like that's like, such a common like tropey action hero. You know what I mean? Like they killed his family, right. now he's going to kill all of them. That kind of thing. Like she's totally, <laughs> and she's like a big buff soldier. She's like exactly that same kind of thing, and she's just a female character. Yeah. It's just interesting how people have that double standard. When, when they were, you know, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, I actually think I ended up enjoying, I think we touched on that a little bit in the earlier in the podcast, but I actually think I enjoyed Abby as a character more than Ellie by yes. the end of it. By yes. the end, um, definitely. Not the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, but, not the beginning, but I really enjoyed her uh, banter with Lev, mm-hmm. and I just thought she was just an interesting character. I loved everything with Owen. I thought that was really tragic. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite sequence in the entire game was with Abby, and that's the sequence when uh, you're being sniped by Tommy, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was just like one of the most thrilling experiences I've had in a game. Because <laughs> I, I, I was playing like aimbot, though. God, <laughs> uh, yeah. that guy yeah, can he's put like, out he's like 120 shots, oh like 100 percent accuracy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah it, like you have to sus- sus- suspend your disbelief a little bit, but overall, I was like. I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like the the part when you're uh, crawling 
And mm. there's like a corpse in front of you and you're hiding behind the corpse and you just see the corpse getting hit with all of these shells and it's mm. the corpse is just exploding. Mm. I'm just like, oh my God, this is like Saving Private Ryan uh, <laughs> or No Country for Old Men. It's like uh, that whole sequence was excellent. But um, mm. and it didn't click with me right away that it was Tommy, believe it or not. As I was yeah. playing that sequence, I was like, it wasn't until halfway through the se- sequence where I was like, Holy shit, that's Tommy! I was like, "Oh my god, that's Tommy!" Um, but um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to point that put that out there. I do love Abby as a character, and honestly, most of the hate with Abby is not justified. No, but I don't want to wade yeah. into that territory. Yeah. So yeah, no, yeah. Abby, Abby was a good character. I I feel, and and I, I think maybe I don't know. I've noticed that there's there's like different opinions about this. I felt like strictly mechanically the Ellie stuff was by far my favorite part of the game. Like by the time we got to Abby, it was, it felt much more like what I expect from a naughty dog game. There was a Mm -hmm. lot of set pieces and stuff, which for me, I have a, I don't know when, when a game's rule set changes, I have a hard time staying engaged. Like that sniper sequence didn't work very well for me because suddenly I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's shooting so much more accurately and quicker than, than every other enemy in the game. Like, I I don't know that stuff. It's, it's interesting because that stuff either works or it doesn't for you. And like, for, for, for a person and sometimes it works for me but it, a lot of those set pieces I was kind of like eh, alright I just want to get this done and I also what? felt like I was having like difficulty spikes where I die over and over in a set piece and then I wouldn't die nearly as much in the regular game mm-hmm. well well, I will I will say that uh, there were a couple of moments in Abby's campaign where I wasn't feeling it at all and mm. the biggest one is the moment when the game tries to be God of War for like 20 minutes and you're literally mm. just fighting clickers with a brick or something. That's the in, worst part of the game. I've, I've, I had blocked that memory, but that is absolutely the worst part of the game, in my opinion. Yeah, that they, they should have cut that from the game. What, that part was bad. when you wake up from the when she's about to die. Like she only has, the, yeah, with the yeah. with that the, part. Okay, I actually didn't mind. It, that it literally part. just becomes God of hmm. War. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I died like I mean, cool. times. Uh, was, <laughs> I felt like it fit yeah. the it fit the tone of like that part of the game of just desperation mm. and like you yeah. have no weapons. You know, you're just surviving with these your enemies here. You know, mm-hmm. for sacrifice. sure. Um, I, I guess like part of my beef is I wasn't a big fan of God of War, so yeah, like playing either. this game and they're like <laughs> emulating literally God of War for like twenty minutes. I was mm. like, why, Neil Druckmann? I know, I know you're friends with with Corey Barlog, yeah. but why? Yeah. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I had some mild annoyances when the game would change rule sets like that for set pieces, but but some of them worked really well and. and all in all, like nothing was held me up or really super annoyed me or, or, you know, nothing stuck out as like a real bad moment, except for maybe that moment in the trees. But I guess it worked for you, Kevin. So I also want to mention, and this for me is a big one because mm-hmm. it, so Jason Schreier calls Last of Us and God of War the daddening of games. We're like, yeah. you're this father <laughs> figure and you're with these child and you have to, um, this game wasn't that. And The Last of Us, I think, I don't know if you can say it, you can either point to Bioshock Infinite or Half-Life 2 as kind of starting that trend, but this game wasn't that for a lot of the game. Like, a lot of the time you're alone, unlike the mm-hmm. first game, and I really like, those are my favorite parts of the game, the parts where you're alone, because they feel, that there's mm-hmm. much more tension when you're doing something on your own and figuring out that when someone's like, hey, come on, check over this. Hey, push this right. this little shelf over here, over here. Hey, do this. Like, when you're not doing that stuff, that's that stuff I really don't like. That's the Sony stuff that I I... I really can't stand it's like when the npc is like hey come on man do you go over here do this so that there there wasn't there wasn't that 
as much. This game did have that, and it's also in Metro. Mm-hmm. It's like all of that. Like the, all of Metro Last yeah. Light is like the whole game is that stuff. So this game wasn't that, and I, I that's one of the main reasons I, I was initially pulled into it because um, you're with Dina in the beginning on the first day, and um, Dina's actually a very friendly, like handy, handy NPC because she's really mm-hmm. not in your way. She kind of just does her own thing a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but when you're with Lev, it's much more of that, the dadning stuff. It's just with, you know, mm. different, different di- roles are changed. Uh, yeah. But Lev, you have to help Lev much more than you do with uh, Dina. Dina's very self-sufficient. So, like, I, right. I just want to say, like, for them and for me, like, props, because I, I didn't like that stuff. And I'm glad that this game had less of it. Um, my favorite part of the game is when you're playing as Ellie and you're going through the houses by yourself. And you have to, Day like... Two. Day two and you're fighting the WLF yeah. and it's just no that's a great the stealth sequence. in all those parts is so good and, the, and just the, the the way the enemies they communicate what they're doing in like like the Half Life kind of way but they're also like I don't know they they talk to each other like the real people they all have names which I thought was a cool detail mm-hmm. I like that like you, you mentioned that when you talk about Marty and the yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I thought that just <laughs> Bruno everyone seemed like they could be people who are actually trying to survive this rather than just people who mm-hmm. murder. So like yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, you kind of touch on why I have a hard time playing God of War in the first Last of Us is because I just never really connected with that dad mechanic, yeah. both mechanically and just thematically. It just doesn't resonate with me. It's yeah. not that I have a bad relationship with my dad. It's just to me, it's like too transparent. Where they're like, mm. oh. We're trying to tell this emotional story, so how are we going to do it? Oh, make it a dad story. Yeah. It's like to me, it's too transparent, you know. But um, but yeah, I, I I totally agree with all that for sure. Um, yeah, I I will say there were a couple of times where I was playing as Ellie, and there was this one time in particular where three guys were like flanking me on all sides, and I was trying to shoot all of them. And Dina, like from through some act of God, was in front of my shot for each of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm like Amy. I'm like, get out of the way, and I shoot that guy, and then she's blocking the other uh. guy. I'm like, get out of the way. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> so That's sometimes funny. stuff like that would that would happen. It wasn't common, but when it did happen, it was like, why is it designed mm. this way? But luckily, it wasn't. It, it was like a one or two time thing. So. Yeah, I felt it was most of the the companion stuff wasn't too bad, and I really actually liked hearing Lev and uh, Abby talk. I thought I thought Lev was an interesting yeah. character. Lev's so a good it character. Was, it was cool. I'm not against Lev at all. I like Lev. I just I, this yeah. was a couple moments where it's like you have to like you, you're doing. There's I just don't like it when it impacts the gameplay. Is really what I guess I'm trying yeah. to like nail down. Yeah. It's like no, I hear yeah. you. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that's why they left. There's a few times where Lev stays locked in a in a hallway for a couple of hours yeah. and you just go do something else. Like when you go in the hospital, um, mm-hmm. how, what did you think of the hospital boss battle? Like you were saying you liked the storytelling in that resident evil type section, which I thought was really strong stuff about like the very beginning of the plague and what yeah. it must've felt like in the early days and living through our own plague. We kind of can see some parallels or some Definitely. analogies there. I like that the hospital boss fight wasn't, um, there wasn't a weak point to shoot. That's what I always expect mm. from these big boss fights in these kind of games. Like I think of wasn't there though? I can't remember. You just shoot it until it dies, as they say okay. in Doom. Shoot it until it dies. Um, it, it is, there's no weak spot. You just shoot. You just shoot them. I I thought it was fun. I I liked it more when I actually defeated the big part and I was just finding a little stalker enemy because mm. I like snuck up on him and strangled him with Abby, and that was very satisfying. Oh, you could do that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I did not do that, so that's props for you. That's pretty awesome. It was kind of funny when I was. I was playing the game because I was 
really stressed out playing the playing that boss the first time i was panicking and i was so relieved when i finally defeated it and then the stalker guy runs away and i was like oh he's just gonna be like another enemy but when you fight him he's like an actual mini boss he takes like yeah 11 rounds or something mm. to kill and i was just like die <laughs> just it felt very, I think I killed him on my last bullet. <laughs> it felt very video gamey, is what I will say. Because like suddenly there's like yes. all the ammo I need is right here. All the supplies are right. Like, yeah. You need some so. flamethrower ammo? Here you go. Uh I'm like, wait, flamethrower? What am I playing Alien Isolation? What is yeah. going on here? Like yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a valid criticism. Like personally it didn't bother me, but I have heard arguments saying, like, okay, it's going for this super realistic. Uh, character drama but there are like distinct moments in the game where it feels video gamey mm-hmm. and i and it's funny how when you play a very realistic game and those video gamey moments happen they just stand out so mm-hmm. much more yeah mm-hmm. um and i totally feel that like there are definitely moments in in both campaigns on honestly where i was like oh this is a video game like when but, you're on the horse with abby you have infinite pistol ammo when you're yeah when, you have when you infinite get pistol in the ammo, car with yeah. the what's his name jess is it jesse you have infinite Jesse, pistol. Yeah, yeah that's again. the first time it happens, and I was like, wait a minute. I only have two rounds left. I can't use this gun. And then yeah. like, I have to shoot that guy in the head. And I'm like, wait, what? I have unlimited yeah. ammo? Weird set pieces that were just like, what what this is it doesn't totally fit with this game. Why is this here? Yeah. No, I like a little restraint, I think, in general, it, both narratively and in, like mechanically, particularly with the set pieces, I think would have made for for me a stronger experience. But I also just want to say when I had to play the guitar in front of Ellie as Joel in the beginning of the game, I played it really badly. And I just thought it would be mm-hmm. hilarious. Like, that's such a Ludo narrative moment because, like, she's, yeah. he's like, come here, Ellie. Like, having this meaningful moment, like, play guitar. And he's just, like, terribly jamming on it in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's <laughs> such a funny thing. Like, that's something that I love about video games and, like, just that idea that that's you, you have, the player interaction can make wacky stuff happen. Like, and, and right. I, I, it's just, it was such a, like, same thing, too, when you were playing with, in front of Dina, like, when she plays Take On Me. In the guitar in the uh, music store, yeah, um, you can totally play it poorly, but like it's it was cool that mm. she played it well. I like that. I thought that was a cool little like moment that they shared. Um, you know I, that that's a optional moment. You can miss that. Yeah, yeah I think you can miss. Can a, you like, believe that? I mean, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It's cool <clears throat> to see like like you think about like AAA design ten years ago. There was no point in a linear game that you could miss. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like like, right. like the Cliffy Bazinski quote of like i want my gamers to see a hundred percent of the things i put in the game like right. i like to see now that people are willing to take like scenes that people thought were really cool like the take on me scene that you could just easily miss did you know that the game was initially gonna be an open world game with hubs oh my god that would have been my dream game i i was cool thinking like man wow. that would have been incredible this Warren's game like, thank god <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you, you know you know here's the thing like one thing that I really like about God of War 2018 is it popularized like this semi-open world approach to linear storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that was the game to do it. So, so I, I, I too much open world to me now is just like it's just too much. But yeah, too linear is too oppressive oh, for yeah. me now. Dude, so I, I, got- I like this happy medium of. It's open or mm-hmm. it's linear, but there are open segments. There's places you can go. There's it's, you can go yeah. off the beaten path. Like it's a really nice change of pace. I think quote unquote wide linear. So you want to know actually right. the game that that and, and Naughty Dog has even confirmed this. Naughty Dog did a tweet and they said uh, talking about the Crisis remaster. They're like Crisis 
in its wide linear format is the game that influenced the wide linear sec- sections of the last of us and uh the most recent uncharted game hmm. oh, so that, that, thank uh, crisis now i want to play it now now i want to play <laughs> crisis remastered yeah uh, crisis i mean i wrote a paper on this when i was in college and crisis had come out because that year there was three this is getting i'm going to make this really quick but uh three games that came out that were really big deal there was call of duty 4 modern the original modern warfare there was stalker which was the first first person shooter open world game and there was crisis and so i wrote this paper about agency and about how um like crisis was like the perfect middle ground between a super linear game and an open world game that like gave you just enough direction and just enough agency to really have a lot of fun although i I think uh, stalker is the better game ultimately but uh yeah thank crisis for the wide linear game design yeah 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 for sure i'm kind of i'm kind of inspired to play uh crisis remastered now um for that but (laughs) on that note i don't know um Mm -hmm. so the collecting i like it but sometimes Mm -hmm. i felt like neurotic that i was missing things and oh yeah i wasn't enjoying the environments as much because i was so obsessed with collecting every little like doodad so i think that collecting is good in games but i i don't know i felt like sometimes it was stressful and i didn't enjoy that part because like you have to you really want to if you're playing hard at least you really want to get everything you don't want to miss stuff yeah so yeah it it made me a little not anxious but like just i'm like i gotta go come over this again and make sure i didn't and i always would miss something too because there's always like also, how many goddamn empty drawers are in that game? I feel like I opened like 500 <laughs> drawers that have nothing in them. <laughs> like, wait it a minute, makes, this yeah. is empty. It makes sense in the context of the world. Like, I, I get that, you know? But, um, yeah. I also want to say, I think the Seraphites are a really cool foe. Like, I like their design. Mm-hmm. I like that they live Are they a foe, yeah. though? I mean, well, like, you, they, 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 so you, th- you, that, you, that brings another moment. Because when you go back to the village with Lev, Mm-hmm. And you're just—he's like, this is this this is where this is my hometown here. It's my house over there. And you're just like massacring everybody. I mean, I guess you can get through that part without. Did you guys feel weird about that? I mean, uh, seeing what they had yeah. done over the course of the game, I wasn't because they were disemboweling people and like killing them all. I whether their reasoning for it was justified or not, and whether their motivations as a you know religious group are justified or not is debatable, but. I didn't mm. because of what they they were doing over the course of the game, and also like they the were after, they, yeah. they were going to kill the main characters. True. So like they are your punch, but like whether they're good people or not, I think is well, questionable. Not good people is is the question. But I just I did feel a little weird going back to the Seraphite Island where Lev is going to rescue his mother, and then you're just like massacring them. <laughs> yeah. And th- but then there's this huge this huge attack by the WLF that you're supposed right. to see as kind of a tragedy, as kind of a genocide right. committed and perpetrated. Committed by the WLF, but um, yeah, I don't know. I this, there was like weird moments where I was like, I'm not sure, and I, and I think the ambiguity is what they wanted out of you. But like, like that was a real moment of me mechanically being like, wait, I don't want to kill these people. I just want to sneak around them. Why can't I just go through the woods? The um, why do I have to go um, right through the didn't middle? Didn't the large of the camera enemies though? I just want to say like they were so Resident Evil Four. Like I was just yeah. fighting those guys. I just couldn't <laughs> not think of Resident Evil Four like the whole time I'm fighting them. Like they're in those those coats and everything. Did you ever yeah. shoot them in the head? Yeah. They can survive yeah. pistol oh, yeah. rounds. They can take two headshots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was totally that. Resident That's... Evil. It totally was. I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. Yeah, those sections were were interesting. It, it, it you, you bring up a good point, Aaron, though, um, and I think it's part of the reason why the game has had such a polarizing reception because sometimes it seems like the game 
is ambiguous almost to the fault of what the game's trying to say because you're not Mm. really sure what it's trying to say at moments and i think that's why you're getting this huge gamut of emotional experiences you get people who are really connecting to it and people who are feeling cold because it does kind of seem like uh the the game is ambiguous enough with its ideas where you can just end up imprinting your own experience onto the game as you're playing it if that makes sense totally um yeah. I also so. want to mention on that point that I saw an interview with Druckmann. They were talking about the leaks and how mm. people, if you look at the script of the game and read it, and then you actually play the game and experience it, it's such a different, what, what right. you get from it is so different. And how, like, he said For that, sure. like, the leak of it was, like, the worst day of his life. And he said he just, like, watched mm. it, like, slowly go from, like, like them being a people to stew that people love to like death threats and hates and anti-semitic things and all sorts of just like terrible it was primarily all about i guess joel's death is like really what people hated right that was like the big controversial thing um and i thought that was that just, you, yeah yeah that, that you that you play, play the, the person who yeah right kills joel although but you don't play well that's like killing. part of what makes this game so interesting like that's like mm-hmm. it's kind of like what i said before like it really is kind of transgressive to the to like their own franchise like they were really they're they're doing something that's like compelling and 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 you know harsh, but like it's interesting, and I I it yeah. I like I'm definitely glad I played the game in that regard because of like what it's doing. I I still question if Santa Monica was even supposed to like should have even been in the game. <laughs> like, Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara, sorry, Santa Barbara. If that was even supposed yeah. to like, but should that have been in the game? I don't I don't know. I'm still like right. I more think about no, it. I'm like I'm I don't know. Either. Yeah, yeah. I, I but it, it's it's interesting because. Uh, the game didn't click for me truly until Santa Barbara, so it just kind of goes mm-hmm. to this weird uh, mixture of rem- of uh, responses where people are kind of grafting their own experiences onto the game. Um, but yeah, it's 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 um, the leaks are really unfortunate because it gave people certain ideas of the game that weren't necessarily reflective of the game. True, and yeah, the leaks hate, were not factually yeah. accurate. Yeah, not not at all. I, yeah, I thought that I, I Ellie actually, was gonna die the whole game, and I was like, "Man, yeah, me too." Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I was like, "Wait, she's alive? She's what alive?" It, it was so funny. I thought like the end of the game was gonna be Joel dying or something. I uh, thought that's what it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. So when Joel dies right away, I was like, "Oh, we're doing this now." Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like it, it's funny how those leaks kind of mess with your perception of the game but but it's weird because my i don't know despite the leaks i was still really invested in the game and mm-hmm. i don't know it, it's weird it's it's been a weird experience playing this game and seeing all the bad hype and the response and i try not to look at twitter in terms of just specifically the last of us part two because the discourse is just I just can't take it anymore. It's too much. <laughs> I actually haven't even read any of it, so I don't even know what people are saying or not. I just know that they didn't like Abby, really. But other than that, like, I don't even know. I don't think I will read it, to be honest. But, like, I know just for my own opinion, really, you know. From what I've seen, there's two different takes. There's the people that hate it because Joel died. And they're like, you took away our handsome male lead. Right. And then there's the people who are like, this game is too is too lacking in a moral center to be to be like i mean we read an article about that and talked a little bit yeah. about that but that that's a big that that is it that's that's the other side of the take is is people think that it's lacking a moral center or that it's it's sort of allusions to israel and palestine 
don't take into account power dynamics and power differentials and uh, that it, and sure. that, that it's that, that it, and also just that a big part of the criticism I've seen is that it, similar to what I say is it's it's too long it's not uh it's not concise enough and it's it maybe could have been better edited in terms of like being a more concise impactful package but I guess it it depends on impactful package but but uh, yeah it depends on what your your perspective on on how that was because obviously lots of people are having very different experiences with the game um all in all i think it i totally recommend it i think it's it's a great it's a it's a really high quality game it's kind of like uh you know you get an hbo series and a uh a cool stealth game with some horror elements all, mm-hmm. all in one package so it's it's it was mm-hmm. you know definitely worth my time i also just want yeah it, actually i want to go for oh it. yeah go ahead uh, oh sure uh Okay, thanks. Thanks. I, I was just going to say, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm just going to reiterate my statement from earlier where you'll get like a, a spoiler cast, for example, of five or six people on The Last of Us Part Two, and you'll get two or three people who didn't really like it, and you'll get like another person who's ambivalent, and then you'll get another person who really liked it, and then you'll get another person who's like, oh, man, uh, I just can't talk about this game. I'm too emotional. So it's... Mm. It's been an interesting discourse to follow, at least with like critical, rational people. Yeah. And uh, I, I obviously love the game, and uh, but at the same time, it's so interesting hearing your takes because I'm like, oh, I totally get that. I even agree with that. Mm. So it's it, it's weird how people. Well, it's not really weird, but it's interesting how someone can just love a game despite all of these major issues, or somebody. Uh, or, or somebody can like appreciate what a game is doing, but ultimately it doesn't land. So that that's ultimately my final take on The Last of Us Part Two. Hmm. Yeah, Kevin, what were you gonna say? Um, I had so I just want to also I mentioned it, I was going to mention this earlier, but I forgot to was that sometimes the flashbacks for me were like not good pacing. Like I I was so mm. captivated by the gameplay that when I had to go do these slow walking segments, I was very like God, man, like. How long is this gonna yeah. be? Like this, I don't. I didn't feel the connection with Joel and Ellie that I think because I didn't play the first game, so I wasn't like mm-hmm. the, the. Apparently, the the scene with in the rocket ship was like one of the most like big moments for a lot of people, the fans of the franchise. Like that was like a huge thing right. for me. I was like, oh, this man. is cool, but like I kind of want to get back to like you know what's happening in the story I get of the back game, to killing people, slitting like, those I'll, throats. Yeah, so it. I think. Like, and I also think, like, if I'm going to replay this game, like, I'm definitely not going to be stoked about replaying those parts, unfortunately, like, because I know what happens in them. Um, right. But, you know, whatever, like, it's, they, they weren't bad. I didn't, like, I didn't hate them. I just felt like they were slow yeah. at times. And, and it just felt like I was, like, on, like, this roller coaster to, like, something the brakes are just jammed. I'm, like, going very, like, I'm, like, you know, it's very slow. And I also made me think, yeah. too, about, like, I wonder if there's a way that you could tell a story in a game that has compelling gameplay. Because obviously the gameplay is not what those parts are about. It's about you know telling the story, the character interaction, the height, the, you know all that nice fancy mm-hmm. stuff. But like what you're doing is you know is in mechanical level is very simple. I wonder if there is a way to to do that. Like people haven't figured it out yet, but I think there is probably a way to make that. Well, Crusader Kings, right? I mean, like so, like you. This is a totally different conversation that maybe we could have another time. But like, yeah, of course there is. But it's it's it has to be that your mechanics inform the narrative. Like yeah, I think I wonder video if there games a have linear... a hard time with plot. Is what, what I think the problem is that video games are not ex, they're not great with plots because because letting somebody do their own thing really interrupts an authorial plot. 
You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it does. Ludonarrative sure. dissonance for sure. But I wonder um, if there's or, or if, in other things, yeah. I wonder if there's a way to make a linear narrative gameplay, like and tell the gameplay in a way that's or the tell the story in a, in a way that's compelling with the gameplay. I think that hasn't been figured out yet, but I think maybe there is. A I mean, uh, I felt it did I, I, though. I, I disagree actually, with you. Oh yeah, go ahead, Aaron. I'm actually. No, I'm just gonna say I I, I don't I, I mean I don't have an argument. I just it just I'm saying those parts worked more for me. Although I do think some of them were kind of schmaltzy and went on too long. So I I, I agree with you and disagree with you. Like I I have uh, some of that yeah. stuff worked for me and some of it didn't. Basically. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying like I sometimes yeah. was like I was so captivated by the gameplay that I was sad to suddenly like hit the brakes and just go to walking slowly. You yeah, know, it was just kind of no, like, I, oh I, man, I see that. totally. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So so I have I have two things to say about this. The first thing, and this might be controversial, but I actually think the way to get around it is with cutscenes. I completely agree. I am a hundred percent on the same page as you. <laughs> yeah. Completely can't skip, yeah. can skip. Oh my god. I'm so yeah, I'm so yeah, on the cut same scenes. page. Cutscenes are underrated. Like I, I think Hideo Kojima's on yes. to something. Cutscenes. Yeah, exactly. Like cuts, cutscenes have done well, and that that are skippable is the way around that, yep. mm. in my opinion. Um, and that I can't remember the second thing I was going to say. That was that. I guess I was mm. so caught up in that first thing that yeah. But anyway, skippable skippable cutscenes underrated. I I just feel like cutscenes for me. I kind of don't love cutscenes because they feel like the feeling, the psychological feeling of experiencing the game, even when you're in a walking sim moment as opposed to a cutscene, is so different that there is a jarring disconnect for me I between what I'm watching and what I'm playing. And, and I know that doesn't, that not everybody feels that way, but like for me, it, it's something, it was really drastic when I played Wolfenstein, uh, the new Colossus, because the cutscenes, even though they felt like, you know, they made sense with the gameplay, but like, it just felt like a different thing. And I felt like, okay, well now I'm watching and then I'm playing. It's like, these are two different things that are getting meshed together. And so for me, it's just, it's just a, it's a phenomenological gap is the only way I hate to use that word, but like, like there's just the way that it feels. There's a gap between the two things that is jarring for me. Sure. I I understand. But on the other hand, um, I, I haven't played replayed 2018 God of War and the reason why I haven't replayed it is every single time I boot it up there's like a 15 minute or at least it feels like it walking segment Uh, and it's mm. it's like if only this were a cutscene that I could skip you know or like or or at least like something like at least uh, if I hold square for like seven seconds I skip this whole sequence you know I'm with that because it really it really limits the replayability of a game like there's so many moments in God of War because like you think God of War oh man action you know it's an action game but the game just doesn't have replay value because you have to just endure all of these unskippable Yeah. walking segments so so i think cutscenes or at least the option to skip and the thing yeah. is some of that cutscenes are at know? least usually more concise too the walking segments are so much more drawn out because you're interacting yeah. they, they, they just go for so much longer it's like yeah. the cutscene pacing is like usually to the point or at least it's you know it's gonna get there quicker right so yeah no yeah i agree with you kevin for sure and uh i mean like I was playing uh, Devil May Cry 5 and like last year and I remember that game had just like some really fun cutscenes that were really concise and really campy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if if those things were just like walking segments it wouldn't have the same impact cuz you wouldn't get the choreography you wouldn't get the right. um you know the 
the coverage, you know, like that's another mm. thing that's so underrated. Like that's that that's something that God of War 2018 totally failed at where it's like, oh, we're going to do like this one take. The whole game's going to be one take. But like there's something to be said about cutscene coverage with close ups, establishing shots, pacing, mm-hmm. rhythm. Like it really makes a difference in my opinion. Totally with yeah. you there. I guess yeah. the one thing that The Last of Us 2 does to sort of counteract that is that you can play sequences and encounters throughout the game. Like you can go back and replay just right. just the action segments if you don't want to yeah, do Yeah, but if you, you want to have your replay. ammo and all that stuff, and you, if you want to have everything, yeah. you want to do NG+, I don't know. It's just a bummer. Right? It's like the one thing I'm like, man, I'm like really not going to look forward to doing these parts again. No, <laughs> I, 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 I agree with that. I, I totally understand that feeling. Um I think we got to wrap this up because we have gone Wait, about twice as long as we expected to. Okay, yes, yes. Hotline Miami. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's Oren in alluded to it last time, and I completely know why this time. Because of the yeah. PSP, <laughs> the girl's playing, right? She's playing right. Hotline Miami, right. obviously. Yeah, and I'm wondering if there was any like intentional reference to that in terms of gameplay design. Oh, of course. Oh, I, I, I think the game is. I think the game is like basically AAA Hotline Miami. That's probably the reason why they referenced it because it's like the same sort of resourcefulness. Where especially if you play the game on Survivor, where your health is really low and you can die in a few hits, it's mm. straight up Hotline Miami. Mm. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's dope. I guess the thing about Hotline Miami that's different is I think of Hotline Miami as like developing these sort of rhythms. Like you start moving through a level in a very rhythmic way. Almost like a dance game or something where you're kind of like bouncing across the, sure. the first game, the first game. That's true. So whereas like I am like fighting for every inch in The Last of Us Two, but but I think the the sort of narrative kind of take of like oh you're 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 doing we're making you kill innocent people. You like hurting people, right? Like mm-hmm. there's some narrative overlap there. Do you like um, hurting people? Right. <laughs> you know, it was weird playing The Last of Us Part Two, especially that part that happens later in the game where you wake up and you're really like in a hospital. That was such a weird kind of events. <laughs> yeah, but, the screen uh, keeps wobbling. wobbling. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cool. wrap this up. All of us seem to like this game. Oren really likes it, and I think Kevin and I are, had a really good time with the game. I, yeah. we, we obviously we did a whole freaking hour long spoiler cast. So go play The Last of Us Two on your PlayStation. Have a good time. Let us know what you think in the comments. Check us out on Twitter, uh, The Jump Crouch. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with a regular podcast. So thanks, guys, for doing this. It's been a three hours of podcasting afternoon for us. (laughs) Wow. Nice long day. All right. uh, That's all we got. Bye-bye. Thank you.